If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. And to engage in this conversation, of course, we have to do so with someone who is uh, esteemed and qualified to do the job, a certified financial planner. And that's Tsungai Masendeke joining us on the show. Tsungai, it's such a pleasure to speak to you. Tasquera. Good evening, Google. Good evening to your wonderful listeners. So good to be back. It's fantastic to have you back. I'm really uh, excited to have this conversation with you because it's one that we tend to shy away from, right? Whether it's talking about money or emotions, but the two of them combined, oh, some people are thinking the horror, (laughs) but it's necessary. It's a necessary evil, just like saving an investment, right? Um, So we generally, as human beings, find it very difficult to articulate how we feel, our emotions, as you correctly stated. And I was quite interested because I took a course last year, and one of the things they asked us to uh, describe was, when you are happy, which words do you use? Okay? Very Mm. simple instruction. But, you know what? After five words, I was dry. (laughs) <laughs> really? I was dry after five words because generally we know to say I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm very happy. Ah. Understand? So we've got limited vocabulary when it comes to just describing how we feel, how we perceive the world, um, and the things that are going on inside of us. And it doesn't help that money itself is such a difficult topic to actually even about publicly um, or even to family or friends. So it's like taking two very difficult concepts and trying to combine them. But guess what? We're here to help our listeners debunk this mystery. Exactly. And maybe let's do exactly that, right? Just to debunk uh, how people might think, well, money is money. We work for money. You know, money is a a moving uh, thing. So it shouldn't actually be attached to uh, our emotions. But uh, maybe let's contextualize it for people to actually understand that there is a psychological and behavioral aspect um, to how we manage our money. Uh, And this is actually proven by studies that have been shown. Um, Why is this such a, again, a critical topic, but one that we should be more intentional about having by understanding the connection? So it's such a brilliant question, Google, because I think historically we've always been told work for money, get money, work hard, get more money, all right? And we've never been brought to a realization that beyond getting the money itself, there are behaviors that we have that are related to money. Now, if I may ask you a very simple question, Google, I give you a thousand dollars, right? Not even rand. I give you a thousand dollars. I'll okay? take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How would you feel if I gave you that thousand dollars on a scale of zero to ten? Amazing, ecstatic, over the moon. <laughs> I love your vocab already. And if you were to rate your happiness on a scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is least happy and 10 is happiest, how would you rank that? I would say it's definitely 10. It would be 10 with 10,000 US dollars. 10 out of 10, right? Yeah. But if on your way to spending this $1,000, you are walking to the mall, you drop your wallet and you lose it. On a scale of minus 20 to 10, how would you feel? Hi, hi, hi. Minus 20, maybe minus 19, because I'll be a little bit optimistic <laughs> that I'll find the wallet. But I would be distraught, depressed, yes. angered, and frustrated. 
Exactly right. Mm. And that's actually part of the psychology of money. Mm. And that's called loss aversion. So it's part of our emotions and how we deal with losses and gains. And it's a financial behavioral element. So when we lose, we actually do very hard with losses. But when we gain, we actually never allow ourselves to be as happy as we would if we lost that same amount of money. Okay. Mm. So generally, that's how behavioral science has actually become a, 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 a big topic because your loss of the $1,000 didn't give you a negative emotional reaction of zero or minus 10. It was as high as minus 90. Yes. All right. And so we actually start learning that when we make decisions, all right, it's not just about the monetary value. It's also about how we feel about our losses or our gains when we actually deal with money. And I mean, there are quite a number of different financial or behavioral finance um, topics like red mentality. Mm. If you remember the days where crypto was a hot thing, oh, everyone wanted to get into crypto, right? When the hairdresser was talking about crypto, my gardener was talking, talking about crypto, the painter was talking about crypto, everyone wanted to be in crypto. Why? Because of herd mentality. That's, we don't want to lose out. FOMO, that's a feeling and it's behavioral in nature. Mm. So we've come to a point now, even as financial planners, where we realize people don't just make decisions with the logic, from a logical perspective. Most decisions are actually made from an emotional perspective. True. So we may give you the best numbers, the best you know, analysis, data, feedback, etc. But when it comes to making these hard financial decisions, we actually need to learn to speak to the heart more than anything. Speak we to those definitely emotions, do. Speak to those feelings. Definitely do. And I, and I think this is also important because, as you say, not only do we need to speak to the heart and speak to those emotions, but this is also conflicting when one is not in a favorable financial position. It might be easy when we've got the 10,000 US dollars, right, Sungai, to say, oh, darling, I'm disciplined. I'm in tune with my emotions. I think laterally and academically and uh, technically about my money before I actually involve my emotions. But talk to us, especially because it's a difficult environment now, Sungai. Some of us are indebted. Some of us are struggling to make groceries at the end of the month. Some of us need additional help. Some of us are skipping some debt payments and debit orders just to stretch the survival at the end of the month. So uh, how then do we make sure that we, we analyze that and don't be, and not without being too harsh uh, on how the on how we might feel and the emotions that might come up? So I think I always start with telling clients, be honest with your feelings, be honest with your emotions. Um, don't try to benchmark yourself at a place you're not necessarily at from a financial perspective, but even in terms of how you manage the emotions that are associated with that particular financial decision. Mm. Now, what do I mean? If you want to buy a house, as an example, and it's your first house, there will always be that sentimental attachment to that home, right? Mm. But I always tell clients, don't go and buy the house you qualify for. All right, because if interest rates rise, okay, how are you going to wiggle out of that situation? So yes, there's an emotional attachment. Yes, I finally qualified for this home, but at the same time, you need to balance the emotional attachment from wanting to get the best house on the market with understanding 
how that could actually end up impacting you from a financial perspective over the long run. So it's very difficult. Yes, I understand. Which is why you need people like ourselves, a financial advisor, a financial planner, to help maintain the level of accountability you need so that when the emotions are running wild, we just help you to stay in the right lane. Very true. Uh, and maybe uh, assist us because I can imagine this typically happens to a guy when you interact with a client, maybe like myself, who will come into your offices and be intimidated that you're a financial planner and think, yo, Tsunga is going to judge the amount of money I spend on my bags, on my shoes, on my holidays. Um, uh, and, and, you know, um, the shortfalls that appear when one is not able to adequately save for their long-term goals and objectives. Uh, does that also play a role, especially when it comes to guilt, shame, and oh, yes. seeking? Yeah. Yes. So shame is a real thing, all right? Where people have made a lot of bad decisions in the past, and now they feel ashamed to come for help because they feel their situation is irredeemable. But let me tell you one thing, good people. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that cannot be redeemed. So whatever difficult situation you found yourself in, how, no matter how bad your debt is, by coming to a realization that you cannot continue in that specific path, you actually need help, okay? That's the first step in you getting to a better version of yourself financially, emotionally, psychologically, and you have to take responsibility, okay? Yes, you could be ashamed, but guess what? You're not the only one going through it. You're just seeing things from your lens and from your perspective. Mm. We rehabilitate a lot of individuals who have gone to a point where maybe they have even gone for debt counseling, debt review, etc., but they're willing to own up to the situation and they want help, they accept the help, and within five years' time, they're already out of it. You can't even believe it was the same person who had been struggling with it in the first instance. So yes, there's going to be some negative emotions that are associated with our money experience, but let it not hinder you from changing your narrative, from mm. rewriting your future. Let not to past dictate the present, know your future. You still have the right authority to chat a new pathway. Just own up to it, take responsibility and seek the help that you need. So true. If you've just joined us, we are in conversation with Tsungai Masendeke, financial planner, joining us today to give us some insight into how best to review and evaluate our relationship with money. Because fundamentally, money, yes, it might not buy happiness, but it does give you options, options that can translate into happiness. It's just how I see it, Tsungai. Uh, but it does really <laughs> prioritize. <laughs> I'll ask you, do I you agree that. with my analogy, by the way? Because that's how I view money. <laughs> yes, of course. Money will give you options. I actually even add serious options to that. Yeah. And let's underscore that, Tsunga, especially in the world that we live in, right? And uh, whether it's education or healthcare, but understanding the importance to exercise the necessary discipline when it comes to our money. And we're also having this conversation at a very opportune time. tax filing season is coming around for provisional taxpayers. So managing your investments and taking advantage of tax benefits also is Mm. very critical. And it's still the beginning of the year. You know, the debt, the strain we took in the festive season can still be covered with the necessary financial steps, right? Definitely, definitely. Like I said, you mentioned such a great point. 29 February is around the corner and that's where you can put in your last contribution towards your retirement annuity, pension preservation funds, so that you can actually benefit from the tax deductibility. It's about also being 
smart in the way that you manage the resources that you have. So mm-hmm. I like to tell clients, you know, between 25 and 45, you are in your prime work accumulation phase. And you want to make sure that every single rand you, you acquire, you are allocating it for the maximum possible return. So you need to also be informed and utilize the resources that are at your disposal, the rebates at your disposal, the tax breaks at your disposal, so that you make a good head start in your mm. work accumulation phase. It doesn't help that you keep on doing the same things over and over again because you're not going to get any different results. But try again to do something different in the way that you actually try to generate wealth. And believe me, clock in those zeros into your RA pension provident fund. And I promise you next, next um, in June, July, when the um, tax filing season opens up, you'll be smiling with that 13th check you'll be blessed with by thought. Right, exactly. Then all the positive emotions will come about. But Sunga, I think Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling ecstatic and oh, uh, enthusiast, enthused rather by the money you listen have. to you. Right? Yes, speaking <laughs> la- speaking such wonderful English. Tsungai, we try, we try. Maybe it's what uh, you know. Access to money does does provide for all of us. <laughs> but as you said, Tsungai. Ultimately, our emotions should not sway um, our, our objectives. Our emotions should not hold yeah. us back from adequately acting. Uh, and, and maybe just as a financial planner, just give us a quick refresh of um, what to prioritize when one does speak to a financial planner, whether you have one already or not. But many of us might be going for our reviews. Many of us might be speaking to them for the first time. Some of us have parents who are entering retirement and maybe last spoke to their financial planners three, four 10 years ago, um, but how do we need to position ourselves for the conversations we have with professionals like yourself? Right. So I always start by asking people, what's your relationship with money? So you must actually be very clear what your current relationship with money. If money was a bay and they were sitting on the stove, would you have a love, hate relationship? Mm-hmm. Would you be chummy? Would you be hateful, resentful, regretful? Understand what your current relationship with money is. But once you clearly are, once you clearly understand exactly what your current relationship with money is, have a goal, a desired future state. Where do I actually want to go with money? And that's where your financial advisor or financial planner comes in. Because they're supposed to help you with what you call goal-based planning. My Mm -hmm. goal is to be able to achieve X, Y, and Z in the next five years. I want to have a good relationship with money where I don't feel afraid to open my bank statement because I'll be shocked by what yes. I'm going to figure out from there. I want to have a responsible relationship with money. So what is that ultimate goal you wish to have? And then talk about it openly and honestly with your advisor. I always say when someone steps into my room, it's like Vegas. What happens in Vegas? Stays ah, in Vegas. Love it. <laughs> what happens in, in Vegas stays in Vegas. So if you speak to Taflani, if you speak to, yes, if you definitely so Be very clear about your goals. If you've made any mistakes from the past, again, be quite open and honest because in being clear about your previous experiences and errors, then you can actually come up with plausible solutions and strategies that you can then implement to help chart a new course, a new pathway as you get onto that affirmative and successful new money journey. Definitely. Tsungai, truly appreciate the insight you've shared with us tonight. And maybe just to, to let you into a, a poll we've been running on social media. We actually asked our listeners, how do you currently feel when you think about money? 
25% said happy, 41% said stressed, 8% said fear, and 25% said... Can I ask you, Google, out of interest, were these specific words presented to our audience or they used words in their vocabulary? Ah, okay, so you're right. We had a few that might have prompted them. We asked, do they have negative emotions? like see, all right. Stress came up, yeah. Just checking. 100%. 100%. But, yep, you're right. It's actually something we will look into, uh, you know, seeing how South Africans do respond to how they describe the emotions that they have uh, when it comes to money. But 25% saying happy, it's it's not enough. We need more. We want ecstatic. We want delighted. Right? Yes. Those, are the, yes. those are the adjectives Please we want. Those in the survey <laughs> next time. <laughs> we certainly will, Tungai. Such a pleasure speaking to you as always, Tungai. Thoroughly enjoyed it. If you missed it live... Catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.